come in here to declare Jehovah is our God. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Bless your name, Lord. You're worthy, Lord, to receive glory and honor and praise. There's none like you, Lord. Behold, you come, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun, at the trumpet's call. You're our God, Lord, and we bless you, Lord, and you're coming to get us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless your holy name this morning, Lord. You are our God, and we bless you, Lord, and we love you, Lord. And we've come to worship you today, Lord. We've worshiped you individually all week, Lord. We've worshiped you in our family, but we've come to the church altar today to worship you corporately here at Church on the Hill. Now be glorified here, King Jesus. We exalt you above all things. You are the Lord of glory. You are the Lord mighty in battle. You are our God. You are God and you change not. You didn't wake up this morning with a different plan on your mind, Lord. You've had the plan on your mind. You call the sun out this morning, Lord, and you give us breath, and you're wonderful, Lord. You have a plan for the end of our days, Lord. You see the end before the beginning, Lord. You are the Alpha. You are the Omega. You are our peace. You're our God of peace, and we bless you and love you this morning, Lord. You have our good at heart. You are our provision. You're our healer. We bless your holy name this morning, Lord. Glory to your name. You're worthy to receive glory and honor and praise. Now, Lord, we do long for you. We long for you, Lord, on this land that you've placed us in. And you've placed that longing in our hearts, Lord. It's not something that we've come up with. You draw us to yourself, Lord. We feel you drawing this morning, Lord. We feel the knock. Of, the, of your hand on our heart, Lord, and we come to open to you. Oh, come in, Lord. We lift up the gates. We open the doors individually and corporately here this morning. Come in, Lord of glory. Yes, we Lord. press our ear next to your mouth this morning, Father God, to hear what you're saying. I believe you have something to say, Father, and I believe you're speaking. Now, Lord, let us hear. Let Pastor Paul hear what the Spirit is saying to the church this morning. Father, your promise is to us that our sons and our daughters would prophesy. Let the prophetic word come forth here this morning, Lord, for we can't live by bread alone. We're looking for that proceeding word, Lord, that touches our hearts and opens it to you. We come to open to you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We bless your holy name. You're our God. There's none like you. You're beautiful beyond description. We love you, Lord. Love you, Lord. Bless us now as we seek you, Lord. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit said to the church. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Y'all see where I get it from? (laughs) Good stock. Hallelujah. I'm so glad you're here. Y'all glad to be here? Amen. Everything okay? It's not? We got one of our children's got a temperature. Elizabeth has rushed back to be here. Um, I want my, those of you that are intercessors in our church, I want you to be praying because we, uh, after the word that I gave, uh, Tammy Jackson had a, had, had, had had a uh, dream 
word to go along with my word, and Elizabeth came to me with kind of the something to go along with her. And um, God's not fickle. I've asked them both to give it at, at this service, but I want it to be just as powerful as it was in the first service. And we need to pray for that. We need to pray that God's God's move continues. He's Again, I think I just said it. He's not fickle. And he's able to do it over and over and over. And he goes from glory to glory. So I, I would like to ask you that you pray that God's will be done in this service this morning. And that Tammy can can deliver just like she did, if not, you know, better. No, no pressure, Tammy. But... <laughs> um, uh, and that Elizabeth's word would be right. And I mean, she's, we're sacrificing for her to give it because we got children at home sick. And really, she should be home, but she came for me. But uh, bless you. We're glad you're here. Those of you that were here last Sunday, I just want to give you a little shout out for suffering for Jesus through the air conditioner not working. Those that were at first service had about a 10 degree uh, blessing. Someone came to me after church and just mentioned, you know, this is how it is in Uganda, and don't you remember? And I wished I had shared that. I didn't think of it. I was too busy with David and Pastor Stephen and running around trying to get it all working that I, you know, I missed the the message, I guess. But that if we can have perspective, you know, if we can realize that people suffer through much worse than this. I mean, I looked out and everybody in unison all, it was really bizarre. I felt like I was in my grandmother's old church in, in Dibral, Tennessee. Uh, but you stuck with it. I felt like the Lord moved last week. Our air conditioner was working on 50% of its power. David, I haven't even talked to you. We only had one coil working out of two, and it's no reason the thing was trying to was, was dying out on us. So praise God it's working, And uh, but thank you for, for sticking with us. It was, a, it was uncomfortable. God didn't say we'd be comfortable. Yes. Bless those that weren't here last week. Oh, okay. If you weren't here last week, bless you too. <laughs> but especially those that were here. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. Anyway, isn't it funny how uncomfortable we get, how easy it is to get uncomfortable? Isn't it funny how quickly? I bet last week you had a chance, even in the middle of church while I was preaching on peace, to lose your peace. Isn't that funny? I think it was an attack on peace. I think it was a test on peace. Can you have peace in 85 degrees? You know, if you're standing outside and it's 95 degrees and you and you can find a, a shady place that's 85 degrees, you're pretty peaceful. You feel like you've hit a good spot. But if you're in a place that should be 70 degrees and it's 85 degrees, think of how your view changes. Yet you would have been perfectly satisfied in the 85 in the shade out there somewhere if you're out pulling weeds or digging ditches, but when we're in here when it ought to be 70, then we kind of lose our peace. Let me tell you, I was losing my peace, not because I was hot, just because I want it right. And sometimes God says, what you think is right isn't right. A little heat never hurt anybody. Quit fighting me and do what I've called you to do. I had to think for a minute to realize I still had to preach in the midst of all that going on. So bless you. I just want to bless you. I felt like we, I felt like you did good. We've been talking about peace. Everybody say peace. Sorry, I messed that up. I got ahead of myself. There we go. Peace. 
Have you been experiencing a little bit more peace? No? Yes? Amen. You've got to go after it. You've got to go looking for it. You've got to go get it. God promised us peace in the midst of our stress, anxiety, tension, in the midst of my child having an inner ear infection. I mean, it feels like the world's going to end. But you know what? God's in control. God's in control. He loves my child. He has my child's, all my children are saved. They're God's now. Not Not that I don't still have responsibilities, but they've given their heart to him. Praise God, it's not relying on me. I'm no doctor. I can't do everything right. It's on God. Do you hear me? God promised us peace. Why? Because it is a fundamental need in your life. You were supposed to live with peace. Think about how quickly we can lose our peace. I told you all last week or the week before, I don't know what's happening with me and God. I think it's me and God. I don't think it's me and my children. I think it's me and God. But only on Saturday nights do one of my children wind up in my bed. And sure enough, they started kicking me again. Elizabeth said, you need to just put them in their bed. She said that last time. So I got up and I got a hold of them. And it's the sweetest thing. You know, they just hold you and they're at that age. And I went to go put them up and I thought it was my third child and it was my fourth. I sat there and walked it to the side of the bed. And I'm like, what is that? (laughs) And my third child looked like she was about six feet tall. And the child I was holding, I thought, looked like she was about five feet tall. And, you know, it was just one of those moments of the Lord just saying, wake up and look at what you got here. Look at what you got. You know, you may have lost your peace in the bed, but look at what you got as you cover those little babies up. Look at that. And, you know, it's so quickly that you lose your peace. I was in the Sam's parking lot yesterday having just a, you know, the day off and having a, you know, having a leisurely, kind of a leisurely day. And I'm driving, you know how the Sam's parking lot's messed up anyway. There's only one way out. I can't stand that. Amen. If you miss the wrong one, you got to go all the way back to the front and back out. I wonder if Walmart does that just to watch us do that. You know, you wonder if there if there are cameras watching you. Anyway, so I'm pulling in, and all of a sudden, this car just turns right at me. We're we're only doing five miles an hour, but all of a sudden, it's like this guy's asleep, or he's I, who knows what he's doing. And all of a sudden, all this anger rises up in me that I don't even realize is there. And I look over just with steam coming out of my ears, and it's Ryan Williams just laughing his head off. (laughs) And he even said to me today, he said, boy, you look like you were mad. I said, well, I was frustrated, but then when I saw you, I thought, man, I love you. (laughs) You know, isn't it funny how quickly you can you can go from feeling great about your day to being mad enough to pull somebody out of the car road rage will kill you don't do it i don't care how big an old boy you are how big an old boy are you tell you what there's somebody bigger it's not worth it. But what, what, what it revealed to me is, number one, how quickly I could lose my peace. But number two, what's still in there? What are you doing in there? I think God just pushes that button just to show you. You still got a little bit to work on. 
praise God I sent you somebody that loves you. It's going to laugh right in your face. I didn't send you somebody that's going to pull a gun out on you and kill you. You know, Steve McNair just yesterday. You know, we can do stupid stuff that puts us in the wrong place. I have no idea what really happened. I'm not trying to say Steve was in the wrong place. But I want you to know God's in control, not you. How quick you can lose your peace. It says that I am the God of peace. I am Jehovah Shalom. Our responsibility as a church is to come to Jehovah. The Father sent Jesus to give us a way back to him. Our job is to come to him. Do you see that one of the reasons we need to know these names is so that we will come to him. If we will come to him, we get peace. When I find you, I find healing. When I find you, I find peace. You know that song, Holy Love. And I know there's no river too wide, no ocean too deep, no mountain so high, that you, or no in the wrong order, that you can't part the sea. But I need the mountain to be earlier in the verse and the sea to be later so he can part the sea. Anyway, you ever heard of chronic lyricosis? I have it. If you'll ever read the words and it's not what I'm singing, those words are usually right, mine are wrong. But anyway, but we come to Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. I don't know if you catch it, and really it does, it, to an extent it doesn't matter. But as a worship leader, as a pastor, part of my job is to position you to come into the presence of the Father. And when you sing as a corporate body, there's no God like Jehovah, let me tell you, you're on a one-way ticket right in. And when we come to him, do you remember what the scripture says? It says that he has promised us, that he is leaving us with a gift of peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't fragile like the peace the world gives. So don't be afraid or troubled. What is that saying? It's saying when you come to Jehovah Shalom, he's not going to move. He's immovable. He doesn't change. The peace of the world lasts you about a moment until somebody pulls out in front of you. And all of a sudden it's gone. God's peace doesn't run off. It isn't fragile. It isn't fickle. It's solid. That's why our, our need, our, our role as a church is to stay in the presence of God. And there's no other way in but by Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way to the Father, the only way to the Father. That's why it's so important that we have this relationship with Jesus. Are you with me? Peace. We've looked at three decisions that you need to make. Number one, accept what can't be changed. And let me just encourage you or just tell you, we're going to finish peace today. We're going to have some peace. All right. Accept what can't be changed. Worrying about what you have no control over or what can't be changed is not going to give you peace. Learning to accept where you are is the starting point. Number two, and if you haven't heard these, you need to go back and go to the website or, or uh, get the CDs. You trust in God's loving care. We saw last week that a lack of peace, a, a life without peace is a life without trust. When you truly trust someone, you're at peace about that situation, right? Isaiah 26 says, you, Lord, give true peace to those who depend on you because they trust in you. God gives peace to those that depend and to those who trust. Number three, and finally, 
surrender to God's loving care. Everybody say surrender. I said this in first service. We hear the word surrender and we want to just pull back. We hear the word submit and we want to pull back. We hear the word obey and we want to pull back. We hear the word unity. You know, it's all about giving up what you want. And Satan has perverted or corrupted God's word in that all four of those words we see as negative. Let me tell you, God sees them as positive. God sees them as a kingdom alignment of a, of a life of peace, a life of power. But Satan has made the word submit, has made the word surrender, has made the word unity. What was my other one? Obey. He's made those bad words. He's made us want to reject and rebel when we hear those words. Think about the word when you hear the word obey. Does not the first reaction out of your flesh be no? No, it just comes natural. No, I don't want to. Surrender to God's loving care, loving control. The reason you're in turmoil, the reason you've got anxiety in your life, to have all the tension in your mind is because you are fighting a war with God. You are fighting a war with God in your mind. You think you know better. Every day you wake up and you have a decision to make. Who is going to be in charge of my life? Me or God? You have that choice every day, probably hundreds of times a day. Who's in charge? Who's going to be in control? Am I going to be in control or is God? Because I think I know better many times. You think you know better. And there are verses in the Bible that we choose to ignore. Right? That just doesn't apply to this situation right here. I'm just not going to think about that. Boy, I wish I hadn't read that scripture. There is a scripture, and I'm going to tell you, I always think it's funny when I tell you this because it puts you on the hook the rest of your life. (laughs) That if you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, it's sin. Once you know that one, it's all over. If you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, it's sin. Who's in charge? You want to make up your own rules. You want to play your own games. You think you're God. You think you know better. The more you take control of yourself, the more miserable you come, and the more out of control your life becomes. Why? Because it doesn't work. You are at war with the real God when you try to play God. Let's look at Romans 8, 6. The Bible is very clear. It says, if a person's thinking is controlled by his sinful self, then there is death. But if his, if his thinking is controlled by the Spirit, then there is life and peace. Um, I've said this before, but I, I heard, I, I'm a pretty big golf fan, and I heard Sergio Garcia get uh, interviewed one time, and somebody asked him, he's from Spain, he speaks fluent Spanish and English, but they asked him, when you think, do you think in English or Spanish? Now let that sink in just a minute. When he thinks, what language does he think in? And I want to apply this scripture to you. When you are thinking, when you are making your decisions, are they based on your flesh or on the spirit? Because the fleshly decisions bring death. 
but thinking that is controlled by the Spirit brings life and peace. You can see the very important need to be filled with the Spirit. If your thinking is based, it needs to be based on the Spirit, you need to be filled with the Spirit. You need Spirit thinking. You need the Word in you so that, why? So that I'm not led, led to death, I'm led to life and peace. I need to learn to react by the Spirit. I've told you this many times before. We've probably got a few new people in here, but back, back in 10, 20, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, I used to have a problem with my mouth saying words I shouldn't say. And I had to deal with my mind before my mouth would ever respond. I had to learn to say, replace this word with this word. You know what I could do? It. I can't completely control my tongue except by the power of the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, I can, I can teach myself to not respond incorrectly. Sometimes you slip. Listen, we all slip, right? Anybody here not ever mess up in word or thought? tell you if you say yes you're a liar but anyway we'll move on from that (laughs) but it's the same thing whenever you go to make a decision take a moment and pray take a moment ask lord help me respond by the spirit not by the flesh because in the flesh i want this but what's right i want to be led to peace and life not death and god desires for you to think with his thinking not yours. And I don't know that you have ever thought this through, but it's obvious. When you're in a war with God, you're going to lose. You will lose. You ever heard the saying, your arms aren't long enough to box with God? You're going to lose. Sometimes God places limitations in our life in order to force us to our knees, to force us to depend on him, to prove that he's trustworthy. Sometimes God just flat out has to incapacitate us to show you who's in control. If you fight with God, you're going to lose. And he loves you too much to let you win. Did y'all hear that? That's a good father. A situation that I had in my life where God really showed himself strong and showed himself faithful and with me back uh, when I was at the car wash full time about every year I have a cracked vertebrae in my lower back and I have some deteriorating discs in my back and uh, once a year my back would spasm and completely go out I'd be laid out in the floor I I could make it to the chair but I couldn't I couldn't lift the telephone couldn't scoot my chair couldn't get help at all you know I was just helpless I would have to get uh, umbrellas I mean I looked hysterical going down the hallway trying to get to my car just so i could get home but as long as if i had crutches get the weight get the support put up here and i could get around but it completely incapacitated me i couldn't move i couldn't do anything and you know what it revealed to me is the lord saying paul you can't do it all you can't do it all let me have control of your life you think you've got it but how do you feel now How does that feel? Because in the other areas of your life, same. If you will let me, let me be your strength. And I'll take you. And he's done that through my back. Now, my back still hurts a little bit. 
I wouldn't say I'm completely healed, but I'll tell you, I feel a lot better than I did then. I haven't had one of those spasms in I don't know how long. And losing 50 pounds sure didn't hurt anything. Amen. We want to think, Lord, heal me so I don't have to lose the 50 pounds. God says, sometimes you just need to do some of the natural. You need to get some of that weight off of you. You know what? I think sometimes that pain's still there to remind me. Remember how good I am? Remember how you were laid out in that floor? Now, God could heal me. God could heal me today. And let me tell you, I will continue to pray for total healing for my back. But I want you to know I'm not, I'm not in a wheelchair. I'm able to work. I feel really pretty good. I mean, every now and then it just hurts me. You know, Paul talks about the thorn in his flesh. It was there for a reason. God is in control. God is trying to use the things that you're going through to lead you to him. The other situation was Ruth Ann and her having her wreck. That was God leading me to him. Because I was out of control. And God said, finally, an opportunity for me to show you how great I am. Finally, an opportunity, God, for you to show me how great you are because you have to. There's no other option. You have to save my daughter. I'm trusting you, and I can't wait to see you do it. And it's killing me because I was the one hanging on to her. I was the one that put her on it. It was my mistake that I, my arm wasn't long enough to grab her. You know what God said? Mine is. I've got her. You turn to me, and I've got her. You don't. You're going to be laying there helpless. You're going to be laying there helpless. What we don't see is if with us up here trying to do everything on our own, we're helpless. It leads to death. Do you hear me? This is so good if you'll allow it to touch you. It points me to God. If you want to have a deep personal relationship, satisfying peace of mind and heart and soul, you've got to surrender control of your life totally to God. How do you know if you've done that? The evidence of a surrendered life to God is obedience. The evidence of surrender is obedience. When God says, do it, you do it. And I don't care if you don't understand it. You know, intellectualism is one of the biggest things that keep us from having what God wants us to have. Because we have to always get to the bottom of it. You know, I have taught many times on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I've laid out every situation that's ever happened. I believe if you heard me teach on it, I think you would say, I believe it's real. I believe it's for today, but then your mind kicks in and holds you back. And I'm of the mind, you know what, if you see that God wants you to have it, ask for it and go ahead and get it and then figure it out later. Obey God and then try to figure it out. Whether you get it or not doesn't matter, you've already obeyed. Maybe you'll understand it, maybe you won't. I talked this morning, try to really explain salvation. The all-powerful God, creator of heaven and earth, sending His Son, the, the uh, Son of God, to earth to die for our sins, that we could live with, without the power of sin over us, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, to cleanse us of the things that we've done wrong, to pay the price for, that we should have had to pay, He paid for us, so that we could be restored back to Him. You know, as I just talk about it, it goes over my head. There comes a point where you just say, yes, sir. I've told this before, but it, uh, there's one scripture that talks about being baptized in spirit and fire. And I was, I was first in ministry, 
I was out walking around and reading and praying, and I just thought, I've never been baptized by fire. Is there a baptism in fire? I don't know. Father, in the name of Jesus, if there's a baptism of fire, baptize me in it. You know what I did? I walked right inside to Pastor Matt. Pastor Matt, is there also a, there's a baptism by the Spirit, is there by the fire? He said, no, I think they're really one and the same. Have I missed anything by asking for it? No. Could I have gained something by asking for it? Yes. Do I have to understand it? No. Do you hear me? Obedience. You know what? You can't always understand. When you're talking to your child and you tell them not to play in the street, they don't always have to have the explanation. They can't always get it. Don't play in the street. Okay, Daddy. Are you with me? That's obedience when you don't understand. Real obedience is when you don't understand or you don't agree, but you still do it. When you don't understand and you don't agree. I think that's true obedience because you're having to give what you think is right up. Will you do that? That is the fruit. That is the evidence of surrender. When I listen to his word and follow his direction, what is the result of that? It's peace, Psalm 119, 165. You need this scripture right here. Those who love your teaching will find true peace and nothing will defeat them. Nothing. Whatever you're facing has to go down. If you will love his teaching, if you will go to his teaching, if you will obey his word, you will find peace and nothing will defeat you. Today, you may be in uncontrollable circumstances. You may be married to an unchangeable person. You may be experiencing an an unexplainable problem. But the good news is you can have peace. You can have peace in your life. But you first have to make peace with God. You can't have that peace until you make peace with God. How do you do that? By surrendering your entire life by faith. To Jesus Christ. Romans 5. Says since we have been made right. In God's sight by faith. We have peace with God. Because of what Jesus Christ our Lord. Has done for us. Aren't you tired of being at war with God. Don't you realize that is the single source of stress in your life. When you get up and you say I'm going to be God today. Not God. What's the result of a life like that. It's worry, it's guilt, bitterness, anxiety, fear, fatigue, depression, despair. Many of us are familiar with these emotions. What's the result of having Jesus Christ be number one in your life and fully surrendered to what he wants? It's peace, it's power, strength. Wisdom, meaning, eternal life, significance, joy, just to name a few. Then why don't we surrender every area of our life to God? Because we hold resentment. We hold on to resentment of God. You may say, me? How am I resentful? What are you still angry at God about? that marriage that didn't work out, that marriage that never happened, that handicap in your life or in a loved one, the birth defect, the big disappointment that you hoped would happen and it didn't, those plans that you planned that didn't go the way that you planned them, 
that loved one who died before you thought their time was because you knew better than God? What are you still resentful of God about? Don't you realize that when you hang on to that anger, you're saying, I know better than God. You're cutting off the very source of hope, healing, and help that you need in your own life. Sounds easy, but you need to let it go. You need to realize that you're at war with God over that issue, and it's kept you from having the peace of God in your heart. Let me say something that might shock you a little bit. There has not been one single bad thing that's happened in your life that God couldn't have prevented. Nothing has happened to you, all the bad, all the good, that God could not have prevented if he wanted to. Then you ask, why didn't he? I don't know. I don't know the details, but I do know this, that we live in a fallen world. And we are free to make bad choices. And so are others as a result. People get hurt. Great example from yesterday is Steve McNair getting shot. People make bad choices. I'm not saying Steve. I'm saying the person that shot him. Have you ever been hurt by someone else's bad choice? Yes. I do know that God has a greater purpose for your life than the problems you're going through. I do know that he's more interested in your character than your comfort. He wants to build you up. I knew that if ever, I know that if everything went great in your life, if everything went just to how you would see it, you got everything, what would happen? You'd be a spoiled brat. I know I would be. And I know that God knows just how much you can handle. And I also know that this is not heaven. This is earth. Amen? Heaven is where we get ultimate comfort. I do know that if you think you're going to live a problem-free life here on earth, you are kidding yourself because it's not going to happen. And I do know that your life, I do know that God has a plan for your life and that it involves pain every now and then because he wants you to grow. And I do know that he has already determined the rewards that you will receive in heaven based on how you respond here in this earth. But one thing I do know is that he loves you deeply. I don't know how much he loves you because I don't think that I can comprehend that. But I know he loves you more than you can comprehend. And I know that he wants you to trust him. Would you trust him? Would you surrender to him today?